Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Messenger on C103. And a very good morning to you. Let me stay on the subject of weather for a moment because severe weather has been forecasted for this weekend, and they're saying that it could lead to a 20% drop in high street shopping on for tomorrow, what is traditionally one of the busiest consumer days of the year. But looking at what Met Aaron are saying about the weather forecast for tomorrow, it may deter a number of people from venturing out. Met Aaron uh, have they've issued a yellow severe weather warning for tomorrow saying that there's going to be hazardous conditions but but as of yet they're not exactly sure where the worst of the weather is going to hit you're kind of looking at that thinking mm, we might be lucky we might get away away for it down here in the south but we're going to have to wait and see meteorologist Liz Walsh said at the moment there is a marked uncertainty regarding the forecast for tomorrow but the signals are for heavy rain accompanied by strong winds and unfortunately they say they don't have the details yet to pin it down where the heaviest rain and where the strongest winds will occur so their advice is to people to keep checking like Met Aaron's website tune into local radio like our own here uh, listening in for forecasts but they expect that there will be multiple hazards though there's not going to be snow in case anyone is hoping for some snow that even though snow has been forecast for northern England over the weekend but we're going to be okay here because we've got this warmer air at the moment because it's the one thing it still is relatively mild for this time of year it's unusual so close to Christmas to be giving out figures that are in double digits and that's exactly what we are doing. Today as we've heard the weather mostly cloudy, patchy rain, few brighter brief sunny spells, the winds then that we mentioned are going to uh, increase and then tomorrow it's this deepening area of low pressure and it's tracking near Ireland and in that particular deepening area of low pressure it's got heavy rain and a potential period for strong winds. It looks like we'll be telling one and all to batten down the hatches for uh, tomorrow. 1850 Bernie's taking your calls uh, today and actually this time yesterday uh, we at the start of the programme yesterday we mentioned that Mel and we had been on to us who was looking for a typewriter he likes to write short stories and he was looking for an old-fashioned typewriter to buy. He was looking for one uh, second-hand because I don't even know if you can buy an old-fashioned typewriter new anymore. Maybe you can, maybe you can. Anyway, we put the call out and uh, we got a lot of calls and with people who had second-hand typewriters willing to sell them on. But then, lo and behold, uh, a lady who wants to remain anonymous in the Coachford area contacted Mel and gave Mel a brand-new typewriter free of charge, still in the original box that it came in. 
That's a nice, kind offer in the run-up to Christmas. And uh, Mel uh, wants us just to publicly thank that lady who has as I say she's decided to remain anonymous which is fine we just we know she's in the cultural area but well done very kind kind uh, kind offer and Mel says he's going to start writing his short stories after Christmas and we wish him luck with his uh, short stories maybe he might write a short story about how he acquired his his brand new typewriter still in the box now coming up on the programme this morning we're hearing criticism about the support that is on offer by Scouting Ireland this is for alleged abuse victims that are coming forward and the more publicity that this story gets the more men are coming forward to say they had been abused either sexually, physically or both sexually and physically while in Scouting Ireland and it's just one of those shocking stories and I remember when it first came out um, and at the start there was one or two cases and I remember thinking oh I wonder how deep this is going to go and there, you know, the number just seems to be growing all of the time and for a lot of these men they would have the abuse would have happened. I think it's between, it's during the 60s, the 70s, the 80s, I think, and up into the 90s. But, you know, for men in the 60s and 70s and 80s, even those who were abused in the 90s, they sort of kept this abuse hidden and this abuse buried and never spoke about it. But, of course, now that people have started to come forward, they feel, you know, it, this is the time I need to come forward and they do need to come forward and they do need to get help and uh, support when they open up about it. And Scouting Ireland have been offering support. But according to one and four who are a wonderful organisation and an organisation that always has to be listened to because they are the charity that work with abuse victims and have been doing it for a good number of years now they say that the support that's on offer simply isn't isn't good enough and isn't adequate and that you know I, I take on that sort of a statement and think Scouting Ireland needs to listen to what one and four are saying because they've been working with abuse victims they know the type and nature of support that's needed and how, you know, for what length of time somebody might need support. There's no point offering somebody support, you know, for a couple of weeks and then say, where, where are you going now? That's all we can offer. Because if you open up that can of worms that that for many people who have been abused have kept a lid on and have kept it buried within them. And when they open it, there's just a huge outpouring of grief and they relive a lot of the trauma and that's when you have to have the correct professional help available so that those people can can in some way handle and come to terms with the abuse that they suffered and in somehow you would hope through the support offered they would then be able to get on with their lives because it would have affected and damaged their lives that's for sure so we'll speak with one in four on the programme uh, today Local collections for Cork Penny Dinners we'll be hearing about uh, two people who uh, for a number of years now have been doing collections in the North Cork area so we'll be letting you know if you would like to donate to Cork Penny Dinners who do the most amazing work we know we've had Katrina Toomey on on so many occasions I mean that lady is just to me is a is a walking saint and she would say along with all of the volunteers and of course along with all of the volunteers who just do the most tremendous work uh, feeding the poor of uh, Cork City and County and uh, they can only do it because they are a charity and they can only do it because uh, people help out those of us that can afford to give we give and we give and then Cork Penny Dinners take over along with their volunteers and, and they will be feeding Cork people I mean they'll be feeding Cork people on Christmas Day while the rest of us are hopefully around 
a table with our family and our loved ones enjoying food and and having fun on Christmas Day. Think of the people that'll be heading into penny dinners and they'll have a wonderful day as well. But they'll do that because people will donate. So we'll be giving you details of where the collection points are. And I've noticed and it's great to see it. I was in Dunn stores in Clonmel actually at the weekend and as I went in there was a lovely girl there saying if you're doing your grocery shopping just to let you know I think they were collecting for Vincent de Paul and um, I was explaining that I was only visiting the area but uh, and I wasn't doing a grocery shop um, and then I felt so guilty that he was I trying to explain to the woman that you know I'm not from the area but so I went off and I bought a tin of biscuits and came back and said there you go there you go and she was this nice thing oh I didn't mean you to do that but you know you just you, you kind of go I, I just thought why didn't I just go in and buy it why did I have to go through the big rigmarole of explaining I'm, I'm only visiting on the day but anyway and I have noticed in other supermarkets uh, around Cork City and County when I've been out shopping there's many many places now that are collecting either for the local St Vincent de Paul or the Lions Club the Lions Club do great work at this time of year and, and giving out hampers uh, and that so any collection like that that you come across in your area we're encouraging people to please please give you don't have to give a lot you know I mean even people that don't have a lot you know an extra a little bit. I mean, in a lot of the stores, actually, you'll see with the lists, it isn't, doesn't all have to be about the biscuits and the chocolates and the selection boxes. They need the practical things as well. I, I will always remember Brendan Dempsey and it's a story that he relays because it's one of the stories, this is Brendan Dempsey from St Vincent de Paul, it's one of the stories that I think he will carry with him for the rest of his life. It was many years ago calling into a house with a box of groceries and, you know, the little bits of luxury for Christmas into a house and it was into a woman, a grandmother who was helping to raise some of her grandchildren and had really fallen on hard times and Vincent de Paul were helping her out and they would drop it in the, you know, the box of stuff and they plonked it up on the table and they're having the chat with the, the lady as, as the the people of St Vincent de Paul always do and the home visits are as, it's, it's as important to talk with the people that they're bringing the food items to as it is dropping it off and the little one, a little grandchild in the house pulled over the chair and got up to have a look, you know, it's great big eyes wide open to have a look to see what was in the box and this little child got all excited because there was a bag of porridge and started you know interrupting the adults you know saying Granny can, will, we, will you make the porridge will you make the porridge and Brendan said he realised as he stood there at that moment the child was hungry and only that they arrived on that night there obviously wasn't in much food in the house or what bit Granny had was probably being kept uh, for the breakfast and he said he'd never before seen a child get so excited about a bag of porridge and it, it's something that stuck out in my mind as well. So when you are donating to any of those food collections that are being made, you know, remember the the practical stuff as well and the tea and the coffee and the, the sugar and, and the bag of porridge, you know. So if you're, if you're doing some shopping today and there is a collection in your supermarket, just fire in an extra few bits like that and, and throw it into the box uh, on the way out. But we'll give you details of the Cork Penny Dinner ones on the programme uh, today. We also have advice to families with the arrival of a new baby when there's a toddler already in the house. Uh, I spent part of this week uh, reading a fantastic book by uh, Val Mullally who has joined us before on the, on the programme. She's a parenting expert. She's written uh, other books on parenting but this is a particularly good one. It's um, a baby and toddler on board and it's mindful parenting when a new baby joins uh, the family and it's one of those, it's kind of one of those books you read and you think, God, I wish I had that when I had a baby and a toddler in the house but definitely a must- 
for anyone that you know at the moment who's pregnant and there's already a toddler in the house or if the baby has just arrived. It's, and it's a very easy book to read as well and we'll speak with Val about that. And she is, she is as I say, she is a parenting expert. So if anybody has any questions to do with parenting, particularly around the toddler years and the baby coming into the house. Get it into us and I'll put it to Val, our expert, uh, later on. And actually today as well, we have a bundle of books to give away over the year here at the programme. Uh, we get some wonderful books in. Some of them we get to time where we're actually able to review them and we speak with the authors, but others we're simply just, we just get too many of them. But we always hang on to the books and say we'll give them away at Christmas. So we're going to be giving away books today on the programme. I'll tell you about the books and tell you how you can win them a little bit later on. It might be a book that you win for yourself or if it's not, when you get the book, if it's not suitable for you, pass it on to somebody. Books are a wonderful gift to give at Christmas and if you've got smallies, don't forget to buy books at Christmas. Uh, it's If you can instil in children a love of reading and you do that by surrounding them with books from a young age. So don't forget books when you're putting together Santa's list and you're buying or if you're buying presents maybe for grandchildren or you're buying presents that you're handing into a house with uh, children, stick in a few books and try and make them Irish books as well. There's wonderful, wonderful Irish books, I tell you, out there at the moment. Um, festive events for children with autism happening in Clonakilty tomorrow. Clonakilty is a very special town because back in October they got the designation first in Ireland to get the official title of an autism friendly town, something that the people of Clonakilty and the business and the communities and the organisations and the schools, something they can be very, very proud of and the hope is that other towns and, and uh, cities and areas will follow the lead of Clonakilty. So it didn't surprise me when I heard that tomorrow um, while there's lots of events going on to celebrate Christmas, they're setting aside some time to remember children with autism. So well done to all involved and we'll give the details of that uh, for people in Clonakilty who've got children with autism but people plus if for people from outside of Clon that you might like to go to Clonakilty tomorrow with your child with autism so that they can you know they can have fun at Christmas and enjoy the festivities without being overwhelmed as they would be because of their autism and we'll have movies with uh, Mark in the final hour of the programme as always we welcome your thoughts and comments throughout the morning 1850 text or whatsapp 0862 
That's music from Band-Aid on C103 and Do They Know It's uh, Christmas. One of those uh, lovely, lovely uh, Christmas memories. Now, some of your WhatsApps coming into the program. Good morning, Patricia and Bernie. Thank you so much for the great night we had last night at the pantomime in the wonderful Everyman. Our three girls were enthralled with the fantastic singing, dancing, music, colours and stage setting. We really enjoyed the night. So just want to say thank you and a happy Christmas from Aaron, Molly, Roisin and Noreen Corcoran. Thank you uh, for that, Noreen. Thrilled to hear you had such a good night. I, I unfortunately wasn't able to go along, but I know Bernie was there and she said it was wonderful. She said it was absolutely wonderful from start to finish. Uh, to finish. So well done. And it was a special night uh, last night because last night C103 along with their sister station 96 we took over the theatre. So everybody there uh, were winners. There were winners are uh, people in some way associated with the radio station and staff members. So it really was a very special performance of Cinderella uh, last night. If you haven't gone along to the pantomime uh, yet make sure you do go along to the Everyman's Cinderella. It's just super, super uh, night out. Now I want to remember the day that's in it and there's a, there's a WhatsApp that ties in nicely with this from Michael O'Sullivan in Castletown Bear. It says, Patricia, hi. It's ironic that a hundred years ago today we had our first young leading lady we, we have our first young leading lady politician, Minister Helen McIntyre, amongst our chief negotiators in Brussels. Minister McIntyre has established herself in Europe as one high class negotiator, highly respected by all EU leaders, attends all heads of state meetings with Tisha Gleavaradkar. She is 100% confident in everything is discussed with her and her opinion is sought. All EU heads of governments acknowledge her for her cool, calm and collected approach to many complicated matters and how she handles them and brings them to a fruitful ending. For a young 30-something, Fine Gael have some able lady in Minister Helen McEntee. A lady that will be filling the role of Taoiseach in Michael's opinion one day in this country and that's not far away. Having Michael says, having known Helen for some years, I can fully understand the respect Europe has for her. She has a powerful aura about her without pushing it on anyone. Easy to discuss anything with and gives everybody her personal attention and always listens and produces results without promises. Good luck to her and all lady politicians on this day. Thank you, Nisus Michael. Yeah, and any time I, I see her being interviewed I, I always think she's she's very cool and calm and always has a very measured response and you can see the brain ticking over and she never comes out with anything daft you know it's always you can see she knows her stuff she really really knows her stuff and I have heard that before she is hugely respected in Europe. So uh, well done to Helen McEntee. And yes, today is is a day that should be remembered. The 14th of December 1918, a general election was held in this country and it was tr- truly uh, historic for us. Well, for many reasons. Firstly, I suppose the 70, over 70 representatives rejected Westminster and instead set up a parliament in Dublin and that brought to prominence, of course, some of the people who would go on to shape Ireland uh, post-independence and it was of course, it was the historic election of Countess Markovic. Michael Collins was elected on this day. Eamon de Valera all elected as Sinn Féin, which was the biggest party to be elected on this uh, day. And across in the United Kingdom, there were 707 seats in total, but 105 of those uh, came from uh, Ireland. But of course, it was also a very historic day because for the first time 100 years ago today, 
women were given the right to vote. Now, it wasn't all women. They had to be over the age of 30 and they had to own property. But still, it was a step in the, the right direction. It also, for the first time, all men over the age of 21, regardless of owners of property, they were also given uh, the vote. So it was a very, very uh, special day. And we've mentioned Countess Markovic. She was the one and only woman elected on both islands, uh, Constance Markovic. And she was returned for the constituency of Dublin St. Patrick's level constituency that was in Dublin. So I thought I'd take a quick look to see who got elected here in uh, Cork. Now there's a number of different, they're they're different constituencies to what they are now. Some of them are are similar uh, but I think there were some extra constituencies but the journal.ie have done a really good piece today where they've gone all over the country and they've looked at all of the different constituencies and who got voted in. Let me do a quick look. In Cork City uh, elected on this day James Joseph Walsh and Liam Dorashta. That was a two-seat constituency and one of just two in the country. And they were voted in for Cork City. In Cork East, it was David Kenton, of course, during the Easter Rising. David Kenton, his brothers and mothers were involved in the only armed clash outside of uh, Cork. The Kent family, well known. That was for Cork East. Cork Mid uh, elected Terence McSweeney, a leading Cork Republican. He was one of the founders of the Cork Brigade of the Irish Volunteers in 19. Uh, 13 and of course Terence McSweeney then died after falling into a coma after 74 days on hunger strike. In Cork North saw the election of Sinn Féin's Patrick O'Keefe. He was an early member of Sinn Féin in Dublin and took part in the Easter Rising. He also had a very close relationship with uh, Michael Collins and he was elected while in prison. Then Cork North East saw the election of Thomas Hunter. He was stationed at Jacob's Biscuit Factory during the Easter Rising and he was one of the two commanding officers alongside De Valera and uh, Thomas uh, Ash. Um, Then in Cork South, that of course saw the uh, election of somebody who doesn't need much explanation that's uh, Michael Collins he was elected for Cork South Cork South East saw the election of Dermot Lynch Um, he had emigrated to the US in 1896 and actually became a US citizen and the status then of course became useful in the building up of the Easter Rising when he helped to raise funds to to buy guns for the Irish volunteers. He also served in the GPO during the Easter Rising and his death sentence then was commuted to 10 years penal uh, servitude after uh, Woodrow Wilson intervened. So his American passport saved him, that's uh, for sure. And then Cork West saw the election today of Sean Hayes. Hayes fought in the GPO and of course he was editor of the Southern Star newspaper the Southern Star still going strong uh, today so just just for the day that's in it a hundred years ago uh, we remember the election on this day and in particular the fact that women got the vote 1850 333 103 Bernie taking your calls text or WhatsApp 0862 Uh, 1850-333-103. Unfortunately, we're having problems getting through to uh, Maeve Lewis of 1 and 4. We were hoping to speak with uh, Maeve uh, because she's critical of the support that's been offered by uh, Scouting Ireland uh, to those that uh, the uh, people, the the young boys that were allegedly abused uh, while in uh, Scouting Ireland. And we're just having problems getting through uh, to to her. So um, hopefully we'll get her before the close of the programme because, and I'm very conscious that whenever we raise these issues 
of any kind of stories of historical abuse. It brings up memories for other people that have nothing to do with scouting, but other people who may have been abused maybe while in school or in um, an industrial school or in an orphanage um, are abused while, while at home or abused by a family member or a neighbour, etc. And I know Paddy uh, was on to us from North Cork saying he was sexually abused by, he says, a member of Vanguard, the Shia when he was between the ages of 10 and 12. God, such a young age. He said he spent 25 years trying to get uh, justice and uh, he felt he got absolutely nowhere. Now, the member of Vanguard, the Shia has since uh, passed away. But Paddy said it did affect his life and that's the point I made earlier that when, and I'm always conscious of that when we're talking about these the cases like uh, this that the effect it can have on people. Paddy said it destroyed uh, his life. He actually ended up in uh, addiction and he said every time he hears of a child abuse it brings it all back to him. It actually can make him cry and I'm wondering from that comment, Paddy, have you ever reached out and got help and support or got counselling? Because one in four, that's exactly what one in four uh, is there is there for. They are there to help um, abuse survivors and they help adults who were abused as uh, children. So I would suggest you contact at one in four. They have a fantastic website if you want to go on there, one in four dot IE and it's written as in not spelt out one O N E in F O U R one and four uh, dot I E. I have an uh, a do, um, an office line for them if that's of any use to you. O one six six two four zero seven zero six six two four zero seven zero. But I certainly would encourage you I, I don't know, maybe you have gone for help in the past, but the fact that you say that you still get so upset when you hear about child abuse cases and unfortunately we get to hear more and more uh, child abuse cases that keep coming to light. It's just that they're shocking. You just think, are we ever going to get to the end of this and something else will come out? I mean, there's a shocking story in, in the paper today. Do you know, when, when you see the headline, when I heard a bit of it earlier, so I can't even read that case, and it's about a child who was abused in her own home by up to 12 adults and it's you just think my god what kind of a childhood and what did that child you know how how will that child ever recover from that that level of abuse by so many people just I, as I say, I couldn't even read the detail of it. I just couldn't even read the detail. We've been talking about, onto a happier note, we've been talking about festive sh- shopping and people getting out and about and, and we're always encouraging people to shop local and many of the car parks across Cork County are offering free parking. Many of the on-street parking is free in the run-up to Christmas or at certain times and, you know, it's just to encourage uh, people to shop at local. Well, John and Abbey was on to say that the three hours of free parking in the Mallow car parks should be reviewed and looked at again because he said the other day he wanted to park for 10 minutes. He just needed to pick up a prescription from the chemist. He said the car park that he went into was full. He was driving around, couldn't find an empty space. He said he ended up having to drive around the town, though he did manage to find somewhere to park. But it was a huge in- inconvenience when he only needed to park for 10 minutes. And he feels allowing people to stay for three hours uh, is crazy. And I, I don't know if I absolutely agree with you, John. I mean, the whole, whole idea of giving the three hours in the car parks is to let people park up and not have to worry about parking they're going off to do, you know, maybe a big shop gives them time to maybe go in and have a cup of coffee, maybe go and have meet up with a friend uh, and have lunch. So I can actually see, and there is a lot of parking. I know it was inconvenient 
for you on that particular day that you just happened to arrive at a busy time and, and uh, a busy day. I wonder, was it last Saturday? Was it the 8th? Uh, was the day and it was pretty inconvenient for you. But I think for the shop owners, the businesses in Mallowtown and any other town, they would they would completely disagree with you and say that they need they need to have that parking and they need to allow people to stay for the three hours. Now, I'm told we've been sorted out with our interview. Support offered by Scouting Ireland to people uh, alleging they were abused sexually or physically within Scouting is not enough. That's according to Leading Abuse Survivors Charity 1 and 4 to explain why. Maeve Lewis, Executive Director of 1 and 4, joins me. Good morning to you, Maeve. Good morning, Patricia. And, and you're welcome. What type of support is Scouting Ireland offering at the moment? That's really not very clear, Patricia, but we have heard um, anecdotally that they're offering quite a short number of counselling sessions, whereas we know from our work here as one in four that when somebody's been sexually abused in childhood, the impact can be enormous. And typically people would stay with us for somewhere between two and three years. So it's quite an intensive um period of therapy and short-term work, while it may relieve an immediate crisis, is not actually going to deal with the long-term impact. Do you believe it's just naivety on behalf of a Scouting Ireland to only offer short-term? Um, I really don't know. Um, and, you know, I suppose it, it, they're operating in a, very much in a crisis situation. Um, so, I, I, you know, perhaps I don't know what their plans are in terms of ongoing support for people. But... Um, you know, in general, it would be accepted that for that type of trauma, um, you know, a much longer term intervention is required if it's going to be useful. 317 alleged victims have uh, come forward. Do you believe that number will rise? Absolutely. But what is absolutely astonishing, Patricia, is that over 200 alleged offenders have been identified. I mean, it, it is, is just beyond... I belief. have to say, I was shocked when I read that and thought it was a misprint. And it isn't. It is, yeah. it, it, unfortunately, it isn't. And that number has been compiled both by Ian Elliott, who's the acting safeguarding officer with Scouting Ireland, um, who's a very well-respected um, child protection specialist. He's been trawling through records that were kept over the years, which were never acted upon. And also then people ringing that helpline um, coming forward. So the chairperson of Scouting Ireland uh, gave that number at a meeting the other night of senior officials in Scouting Ireland. And I mean, over 200 people allegedly abusing children over a, a period of maybe 40 years. I mean, it, it, you know, given, I don't know how many volunteers would have been involved with Scouting Ireland over that period, but it is a huge, huge number. Are sex offenders attracted to groups that will give them access to children? Of course they are. I mean, sex offenders will identify contexts where they can have access to children and I mean, a sporting organisation or a scouting organisation or indeed, as we saw in the past, the Catholic Church would be absolutely um, somewhere where you can have, you know, a respected position where you're not going to be challenged and where you can pick out and groom the vulnerable children that you might come in contact with and you can terrorise them into keeping what you've been doing secret. Um, it, 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 that is a well-known pathway to sex offending. Um, you know, we say here at one in four, sex offenders don't groom children, they groom their parents. And uh, that's exactly what happens. Parents would have had a high trust in Scouting Ireland, 
which did fantastic, still does fantastic work uh, for young people. And um, they would happily allow their children to go on camping trips and overnight stays and so on. And that is where uh, the offenders were able to target the children. Goodness. And the alleged abuse appears to have taken place between the 1960s and the 1990s. Is it hard for people to come forward after so many years? Because I take it the majority of these that are now um, grown men would never have spoken to anybody about what happened. Yeah, and Patricia, I mean, it's, we're up to the 1990s now, but I understand the um, review of files and so on is going to continue right up to the present day. So it remains to be seen, you know, what is um, what, what else unfolds. But very typically, I mean, most of our clients and about 40% of our clients are men will come to us when they're in their 30s and 40s. Um, increasingly actually people in their 20s but it, it often is only when somebody has established themselves in their life maybe got married um you know have a, a, a has a job is economically secure and so on or where their lives have really got into a desperate state through an addiction or maybe depression or anxiety that then they will reach out for help for women it's often the birth of children will sort of re-trigger all the old trauma um, there can be many factors, but I mean, we know that even today, children, most children don't tell. They don't tell on the field until they feel safe to do so. And that is often by the, when they've grown up. Um, so very often people coming to us will never have told anybody, not their husband, not their wife, uh, their family members, what has happened to them. Because, of course, one of the terrible impacts of child sexual abuse is that the abuser will do his utmost to make sure that the child feels it is their fault this is happening and that the person will carry then immense shame uh, as to what has happened. And, and you know, we can't overemphasise enough the terrible long-term impact of sexual abuse in childhood and the pain and the stress that a person carries with them right through their lives. Well, that's interesting because when I mentioned at the the top of the hour that you were going to be joining us on the programme today about this uh, Scouting Ireland issue, uh, Paddy, one of our listeners, contacted us to say he'd been sexually abused when he from the age of 10 to the age of, of uh, 12. And he said it absolutely destroyed his life. He, he ended up uh, in addiction. And he said every time he hears of child abuse, it brings it back to him and he actually gets very upset. Uh, is, is that very typical? I think that would be sadly very, very typical indeed. And I mean, when a scandal like the Scouting Ireland scandal breaks, it does um, often encourage uh, other people have been abused, maybe not, maybe in a completely different context, in their own family or at school or in their own neighbourhoods, um, to reach out for help. And the other scandal in this country is that when somebody does pick up the phone and reach out for help, they're dealing with huge long waiting lists um, to get access to counselling. Like um, here is one in four in all the rape crisis centres across the country in the National Counselling Service. The waiting lists are months and months and months long, and that is just unacceptable. Um, you know, it's, it, it takes such courage to decide, okay, I'm going to do something about this, and then to have to wait. You know, it's, it's unconscionable. But you would still say to people who come forward, reach oh, out. Oh, do reach out because, I mean, you know, it can be a very a tough and painful journey through counselling. But in our experience here, it really, really is worth it that people can leave 
um, a lot of the distress and the shame and the hurt behind them um, and can move on to live much more satisfying and, and happy lives, really. Um, you know, people will see improvements in their relationships. People will be able to let go of the sort of things they did to, to, to soothe the pain, maybe drinking too much or people with eating disorders or whatever. And there really is help there. There is good help there. Um, so just do reach out, but you may have to wait. OK, and you, the number of one in four, Maeve? It's oh one double six two four oh seven oh. Okay, listen, it's always a pleasure to talk to you. Thank you for that. And thanks uh, for joining us. That is uh, Maeve Lewis, who is Executive Director at uh, One in Four. 1850-333-103. Lines open. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. This is Cork Today. Cork Today. With Patricia Messenger on C103. Cork's greatest Brenda Lee on C103 and rocking around the Christmas tree and while that song was playing Bernie who's producing today came in and said eat that while that Christmas song is on and she gave me a chocolate Kimberly and I have to say they are my favourite biscuits there is just something gorgeous about chocolate Kimberleys I know they don't float everybody's boat but certainly for me if I had to pick my one ideal uh, Christmas biscuit and a biscuit I associate with Christmas it has to be the good old chocolate Kimberleys so thank you Bernie while we're on the, the subject of thanks, Angela in West Cork was on. She wants us to publicly thank Donal O'Sullivan, who came to the aid of Angela's husband in Galvin's forecourt in Dunmanway. And Donal O'Sullivan managed to help Angela's husband 
fix his car. Angela said her husband got into a bit of bother. He was in the forecourt of Galvin's uh, trying to sort it out and it's this wonderful, kind gentleman, Donald O'Sullivan, came over and sorted out whatever was wrong with the car. So Donald O'Sullivan, take a bow and uh, well done. That's a, a nice, kind thing that you did for that gentleman uh, in helping him out. Now, Anne was on to us from Toker to say, had we seen the, uh, it's a full page ad on today's Irish Examiner, page eight of the Examiner, if you have the paper in front of you. She said she saw the ad today and she thinks it's outrageous. She says the whole tone of the ad is wrong. And I did see it earlier when I was going through the paper and I just flicked through it. And it's it's an ad for the Examiner themselves, for the Examiner uh, newspaper, marking 100 years of Irish women asserting their voice. So straight away I said, oh, that's to do with the 100 years since the women got the vote. Anyway, the one page ad has a picture of a ba- ballot box, an old wooden ballot, ballot box. And it says from asking for it, obviously the power of vote and it's got 1918 under it and then it says to not asking for it and there is a lacy pair of pink knickers it's not a thong it's a pair of panties lacy pink knickers and it says uh, 2018 so from asking for it to not asking for it and at the end it says marking 100 years of Irish women asserting their voice whatever else changes we're always here and it's an ad for the Irish Examiner clever it's a clever ad I have to say that but I can see how some Females will be offended by it. I don't know if men are going to be offended by it, but certainly Anne in Toker fuming over it. She thinks it's outrageous is how far she goes. So I'm putting it out there to see if others have seen the ad this morning. And are you in Anne's camp? Do you think it's outrageous? Or do you think it's just a very, very clever ad on behalf of the marketing department? Your thoughts welcome to 1850 Still getting in calls about the need to carry the driver's licence. And if you could stop by the Gardaí and you don't have it, you could, isn't in law yet, but you could end up with penalty points and a fine of €80. Euro. Dermot in the Skibbereen says he cannot understand all the hysteria surrounding the necessity to carry a driving licence at all times. The law has always been there. It's nothing new, says Dermot in the Skibbereen. And he's right. The law has been there for certainly a number of years that you always have to have your driving licence with you while in the car. But what's to change is Gardaí at the moment have discretion that if they stop you and you don't have your licence, they then will say to you to go into your local Gardaí station. And Minister Shane Ross wants to remove that discretion. So if you're stopped, don't have your driver's licence, then Dermot is right, you're breaking the law, then you straight away will pick up penalty points and you straight away pick up the fine. I tell you, the more I think about this, because we've had calls in about this every day this week since I first mentioned it on Monday. Dermot is right. The the law states that you must have your driving licence with you at, at all times. But I also can take on board what people were saying during the week about how in the heat of the moment, a rush, you rush out the door, you forget the wallet that the driver's licence is in or you change your coat or change your bag or you move to a different vehicle. I can understand all the reasons why you could end up in a situation where you don't have the driving licence with you. But you are technically breaking the law if the guardies stop you. So, if you're breaking the law, don't have an issue around the fine, the 80 euro fine. I do have a problem if he goes the full hock on this and decides to give penalty points. I have a problem with penalty points because penalty points are given because you're not driving safely, you're, you know, you're breaking the rules of the road in some way, you know, through speeding or dangerous driving, whatever it may be. But by not carrying your driving licence, 
I, I, I just, that just doesn't sit well with me. Now, I know the reason I imagine when we find out more about his proposal, the reason for it, I'm sure, is going to be about learner driver and novice drivers. And if it's a learner driver gets stopped and they don't have their driving licence uh, with them and maybe they're driving unaccompanied, could there be a case that the learner driver could give somebody else's name in the household and somebody else in the household could go in with their licence? Uh, you know, you, you're thinking that you could get around it. Maybe that's what Shane Ross is thinking about. I don't know. Only time will tell. But as of now, the penalty points bit of it just doesn't sit comfortably uh, with me because technically you could end up losing your driving licence if you get caught more than once. But I imagine if you got caught once and picked up three penalty points, you'll you'll absolutely make sure that you'll never get caught again. Anyway, Dermot says it's always been the law, but we've known that. It's just it's the discretion on behalf of the Gardaí uh, is going to be uh, removed. Some of your texts coming into the programme, whenever, like every single time we talk about sexual abuse or physical abuse of children, it will always evoke memories for somebody else. And while it was Scouting Ireland I was talking about today and already we've had some calls in from people who are upset saying that when they go back to their own childhood and when they think about what happened to them they you know, they just get really upset and that's you know what we're saying. Please, if you for people like that, if you haven't uh, come forward for counselling, please do, you know, go to a group like uh, One in uh, Four. But a listener contacted us, this is by text, to say upset again, listening to when you're talking about abuse of uh, children as I and other children were beaten and put down by presentation nuns in Mill Street who daily told some of us how, as they put it, we were thick and it really knocked our confidence and continues to knock our confidence to this day. I am now in my 70s and I feel still feel so bad about it. Was that religion? says a texture and I can sense and feel your pain even in that uh, text and I know when we do our weekly piece with Joe Heffernan how often do we talk about the building blocks of self-esteem and how building up good self-esteem and you know self-confidence in oneself and how it all goes back to childhood and how you treat it and you know people will remember you know, awful things that happened in school. Thank God. And we're so lucky with today's generation that we don't have the way some teachers spoke to and put down uh, children. And, you know, well, in this particular case, the listeners talking about going to school in Mill Street, but it, there isn't a school anywhere in the country, let alone the city and county, where people will be able to identify with that story and will remember nuns and teachers and Christian brothers who were only interested in the kids in the class who had wealthy parents or their parents were business people and they always, you know, they they were always looked after and treated well. And then the poor old child in the class whose parent, you know, might have been widowed or whose parent unemployed or working class families, how they were how they were put down all the time and picked on by the, 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 the teachers of the nuns of the Christian Brothers. And actually, I'm reading a book at the moment that I'm soul searching about whether we'll, we'll I'll try and speak with the author next week. I just know with it being so close to, to Christmas, I don't know if it's the ideal time to be talking about it. But it's a gentleman in Cork City who's written a book. He is only in his late 50s, mid 50s. He was born in the early 60s. And you can, it's about his 
growing up in Cork City and going to school and he wasn't very good in school literally from the first day he started and you can see from his account in Small Babies the young, the young fella very obviously was dyslexic and you know in the late 60s I don't know if dyslexia was even known or you know had was it identified um, as somebody having a problem with, with writing and with the numbers etc and this poor little boy wasn't able to learn well he got the living daylights bet out of him and then when he'd come home and speak to his parents it was like well do what the teacher is telling you you know there was almost there was a fear sometimes of going into the school and standing up for your children that wouldn't happen today God almighty if a teacher touched a child You'd have the parents, the grandparents and the auntie, uncles, the cousins, everyone would, would be in. It just wouldn't happen. And rightly so. And particularly the level of beating that this child, this man got as a child, that it's an upsetting read. I'm actually finding myself skimming over some of the paragraphs that I know is him detailing another really bad beating or caning that he got. Just how you can carry those memories with you. And and he talks about you know being in counselling because he goes to the to the redress board, but it's it's just it's a gripping a gripping read, but it's a it's a tough read. It really is a tough read, and I'm just getting to the stage of the book where he ends up being put into uh, institutional care, and I've that funny feeling that sexual abuse is going to come into it uh, now. Anyway, we'll talk more about that book if. Um, we decide to bring the author on uh, next week. So it, it does very much tie in with that, what that listener is saying there from her memories of school in Mill Street. And isn't there something very sad about hearing someone, a woman in her 70s, staying, saying that she still feels so bad about it and she's still, the confidence that was knocked out of her by being told, you know, all the time told, you're thick, you're stupid, that... As a, you know, a woman in her 70s, she still carries uh, that. And, you know, she has nothing to be ashamed of. And, you know, maybe she wasn't able to learn as quick as everybody else. And even if she wasn't, then it's shame on the nuns and the teachers that weren't able to teach her. I certainly wouldn't hold anything against uh, the elderly lady herself. But it's I just I hate to think that somebody carries that around uh, with them. I just I would love to be able to take that from you and hand it back to those you know, evil, evil teachers that did that to you, that knocked your confidence out, out of you and, and you're not thick and you were never thick. And thank you uh, for your text and I hope you have a, a lovely, lovely uh, and a peaceful Christmas. Uh, 1850-333-103. Breather says, Patricia, could you please find out why pubs will not sell a glass of wine out of a large bottle? I had to pay six euro for a quarter bottle. You know, the little bottles last week. Is there not some law that they can't sell wine from the big bottles or is it just greed? Thank you, News. That's in, it's up to, there's no law about it, Breather. It's up to individual pubs and hotels tells. Some do it, some opt to sell it out of the out of a bottle. Others will go with those smaller bottles. The one thing about selling it out of the larger bottles, so it's okay if it's a very busy pub and they're going through a lot of wine but if it's a pub that maybe they might only sell a couple of glasses a night, then opening up a large bottle by the next day, they may not be able to sell that wine if it's white wine, even if it's red wine, you know the way sometimes it can it just Maybe the following day it's okay, but it might be certainly for serving and selling it to members of the general public. So unless they can be guaranteed that the whole bottle is going to be sold 
on the night that it's opened is probably one of the reasons why it is more practical for them to sell them by the uh, quarter bottle. And is that what? Is that what a small bottle of wine is now at six uh, euro? Uh, 1850 and just one final one that I want to get to Patricia how do you see Brexit going deal or no deal and by the way Suzanne what is the backstop <laughs> deal or no deal God I, I hope there's a deal uh, I, I, I'm I, not a gambling person but if I was to put a bet I, I'd be slow to put a bet yeah, either which way because I really I just don't know I mean I went down to the wire with Theresa May I'm glad Theresa May is still there I really don't think the answer was to put somebody else in. I mean, the thought of it being somebody like Boris Johnson. No disrespect, but I wouldn't be putting Boris Johnson in charge of Brexit. I think if we've got some hope of a deal with Theresa May in charge. Can she go back and sell it to the Houses of Parliament is really now her biggest problem. And the backstop, let me try. This comes up every now and again. People just get so confused. What's the backstop? What, what is it all about? The backstop, It's a, it, an insurance policy is probably the best way of, of looking at it. It's an insurance policy into the withdrawal uh, agreement, i.e. the Brexit Treaty. And it guarantees that there will not be a hard border on the island of uh, Ireland. Now, it will only be used as a last resort. We, we, would, they, we would only default to the backstop if the EU and the UK couldn't reach a deal, particularly the, the free trade uh, deal, that would make trade so frictionless that there would be no border between the EU and the United Kingdom, which obviously has to include the frontier between Northern Ireland and the Republic. So it may never, ever get used. It is, it's written in as well, isn't it, to the Belfast Agreement, the Good Friday uh, Agreement, that we will never again have a border on this Ireland island. But it would mean if there was a no deal Brexit and then the backstop would kick in. It would mean that there will be still no border on the island of Ireland even though we've had this hard uh, Brexit or this no deal Brexit and it would mean that the rules of Northern Ireland and Southern Ireland we would have the same customs the same energy environmental regulations we'd have the same laws uh, governing agriculture and fisheries and it's that part of the backstop that seems to be causing the biggest problems over in England and, and it's what they are they fear the most uh, is that uh, Northern Ireland will be treated differently to the rest of the United Kingdom and that's where we're at at the moment uh, with that. 1850 Bernie taking your calls. Text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103. C103 Jobs. Burnford National School. They're looking for a school cleaner approximately 14 hours a week after school hours. Rainbow Recruitment. They're looking for three people in the Mallow Cork City areas for busy manufacturing companies. And Classic Windows in Ovens are looking for window fitters for replacement and new house divisions. You'll find all the details and more job opportunities by going online now. Just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more. This is C103. When a new baby arrives into the family, there are bound to be bumps in the road. But if there's already a toddler in the household, then those bumps can be even bumpier. But help is at hand in the form of a new book written by parenting expert Val Mullally, who joins me to discuss her latest book, 
How to be a calm, mindful parent when you have a baby and a toddler on board. Good morning to you, Val. Good morning, Patricia. Uh, lovely to be with you again. Well, and lovely to talk to you. Ideally, you should read this book while still pregnant. Would that be your advice? Oh, I think it's great advice to read it before the baby, the second or of course, it could be third or fourth baby as well, would still be helpful. And of course, I think it's a helpful read for grandparents as well. Yeah, because that's the one thing I liked about this book. You wrote the book from your own experience, the toddler being your grandson, Liam, and the baby being your new granddaughter. Looking at life from that perspective of a a grandmother's perspective, yes. Can you prepare a toddler for the baby's arrival before baby arrives? Yes and no. I think, you know, like any big event in your life, it's only when you experience it you fully understand. I think one of the challenges, people often say, oh, you're going to have a baby brother and you'll be able to play together and have fun together. Well, of course, then this little baby arrives that's just going to, you know, lie and sleep and, well, that's not the baby I expected. <laughs> And so we, we, that's not helpful for a child. But of course, until the reality of somebody else in mummy's arms and daddy's arms is actually there, it's still very, very hard for the, for the young child to perceive what is going to happen. And then something, and I'm always very conscious of this, if I go into a house where there's a new baby uh, and you're bringing the gift for the new baby and everybody coos and cars, oh, the baby's beautiful, oh my God, she's gorgeous. And the other little one is standing there and I always make a point of talking to the toddler as well and saying, oh, and you're gorgeous too. And But, but mm. some people forget that, don't they? It's all about the newborn baby. They forget that. So the parent or the grandparent needs to think about having a strategy. Of course, it could be an aunt or an uncle or somebody else as well. But, you know, even a friend who's in the house, if you're noticing that the toddler is being sidelined, think either, either how could I distract and engage the toddler in something else or bring attention, you know, so if people say, oh, what a gorgeous baby, you could be saying like, yeah, I've got another gorgeous child, just like, you know, my little Johnny or whoever the other one is, two gorgeous children, so that you're reaffirming the child. And um, I think parents need to think ahead of time, how will they handle situations like that? And if you're the visitor going being careful about how you word things. You know, you might say, oh, aren't you lucky to have such a beautiful little baby brother or sister? And, you know, maybe the child isn't feeling happy or lucky about it, you know. So I'd rather say, hmm, so there's someone in your house. Tell me about your the baby that's come. And let, let them tell you how it is for them. Yeah, because you talk in the book about building a rapport with a toddler. Yeah. And how how, how, how how important is that? You know, if you think about it with any relationship, rapport is huge. That sense of connection, that sense of I get you. You know, you watch any, say, young couple in love. Well, could be older couple in love as well. But, you know, watch that and watch the dynamism between them. It's like there's a dance, a flow between them that's happening. And, and that's what we need to be aware of with the toddler as well. How do we actually connect with them and, and create that sense of a 
dance between them, of seeing them, of responding to them. You know, you I sometimes will be in a, in a space where there's a toddler in the room with me, and they maybe twist their head sideways, and you twist your head the same way as them, and they maybe take their fingers and sort of wiggle them at you, and I'll wiggle the same way with my fingers. And the moment the child sees you, oh, that person's noticing me. Mm. It's amazing. They just engage. And so that recognition of it's not about tell your toddler what to do, tell them how to behave. How do I respond that they feel seen and appreciated just by the rapport we build between ourselves? One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. You talk in the book about having a yes day. Describe what you mean by that. So if you think about it, don't we all in our parenting so easily fall in? No, don't do this. Stop that. (laughs) You know, we come in like that. I don't think we actually stop and listen to ourselves. We get into autopilot. And so the idea of having a yes day is to make yourself conscious of the negatives you give in the day and think, okay, how can I change that over to a positive? So, you know, maybe some of the things that we say no to aren't such a big deal that we could just let them slide. I can remember one mum of a, I think it was her, third child but having had a big break after her second and saying I was so much more relaxed with my third she said you know my little one say maybe decides he's going to sit on the bed with with with, with his shoes on his because they're brand new shoes and he really wants them on and I went if it had been my first one no no you can't do that and you know by my third one said well if he wants to just with his shoes on, why couldn't why he not? put his shoes on? Yeah. And so the whole thing of a yesterday for a whole day to be very conscious of, can I turn that negative into a positive? And even if it's something like um, where you need to say a no, can you word it in a way that just sounds more positive? 
Yeah, rather you than know, a straight, no, don't do that. Yeah, exactly. yeah. Exactly. So, mummy, can I have the sweeties now? Yes, you'd really like the sweeties. We're going we're gonna to eat some food and then, then we're we'll going to have, have the sweeties. Yeah. Rather than, no, you can't have the sweets. Okay, how does mum divide the time between baby's needs and toddler's needs? You know, one of the tips that I learned that I think can be really helpful is when you're doing things like feeding the baby or, or just changing whatever, you know, we have this way of doing that sort of baby talk, the twos and the you gorgeous type of thing, and the baby just loves that and it's really important. But the baby doesn't really know what you're talking about. So if you, instead of just saying, you're such a gorgeous baby, which of course they'll add in as well, you have such a lovely big brother or sister, you know, I just love your sister so much. And when you're bigger like your brother or sister, you'll be able to play. And your sister's such a special baby. Sorry, such a special boy or such a special girl. And you talk as you're you're chattering to the baby. But you're including the toddler. Yeah, yeah. You're making the toddler feel he's part or she's part of this too. We're not leaving that one out. Yeah, and there's when when you're feeding, you can have toddler snuggled in beside you as well. Mm, think about how we can include the toddler. I think it can be great to have somebody on board to, to support, you know, whether it's holding the baby for a while, minding the baby so that you, the, the parent can have quality one-on-one time with the toddler. That really matters. Uh, so thinking about how do you still create special time for the toddler. But obviously with baby, there's things you need to do. And the, the toddler also loves to feel involved. And thinking about things like when you're preparing for baby to come, plan your baby drawers low enough that your toddler or preschooler will be able to reach, you know, the, the spare nappy or or the little shirt from the drawer or whatever. So you can involve your toddler in helping with the baby. Okay, a couple of people are asking, and you do deal with this in the book, how should parents handle a toddler's meltdown? Because there will be meltdowns. Oh, wow. I've just written a blog post on that that's on my Valmalali Kowimba uh, Facebook page. or on. Uh, so it's actually on the My Kids Time uh, um, website, but it's on my, and I'll put it up again today on my Val Malali Facebook, uh, Val Malali Coimba Parenting Facebook. So the thing is, when a child has reached a point of, of meltdown, that reactive fight or flight part of their brain has taken over. They can't at that time calm themselves down. They need you to calm them down. And it's rather like a, on an Irish day, you know, the rainstorm comes and it drops its rain and then it's gone. And almost like we have to let the child let off the steam they need to, providing they're not hurting themselves or anyone else, rather than stop that, stop that. And just be there, be compassionate. If the child wants you to cuddle them, cuddle them. Some kids don't want that. But if they look towards you, let them see kind, warm eyes that show, I'm here for you. And sooner or later, that they come in for the cuddle. And a, and a really helpful thing to remember is that the tears we cry when, or that the child cries when they're upset actually contain stress hormones. 
so when they're different to the tears they cry when, you know, like peeling an onion type of thing. So you cry out the stress. So have a good cry. Cry it all out is sometimes what our little one needs to do. It's a huge stress for them around having this new little person in the house. And sometimes they need to just let off that stress. So we don't need to stop the tantrum, rather support them to ride through it. You disagree. Often, mm-hmm. You disagree with timeouts. Oh, I absolutely disagree with timeout. You know, for a young child, timeout can feel like abandonment. Now, already there's this little baby. One way I think of it is like, imagine if your life partner comes home and says, "Oh, you know, you're so beautiful. I, I just love you so much. I love your sparkly eyes. I love your intelligence and your wit." And they say all these lovely things to you, and then your life partner says, oh, "I love you so much. I've gone and got another one. Now look, I've got two of you." <laughs> Imagine how you would feel, you know, wouldn't your behavior be otherwise? And then imagine if you start acting out and then you get sent outside for, you know. To to sit on the naughty step. Yeah. Yeah. So so I, I think the naughty step, you know, you were talking about, and I agree entirely with you about physical punishment is not okay. But I think that putting the child outside of that family unit, I mean, not physically, but emotionally, can be possibly as cruel to a child as a physical punishment. And I just wish we, it would stop being promoted. And it is, uh, pro- and it is promoted a lot on, on, on TV. Sadly, it is. Yeah. And, and uh, it's not taking into account the need of the child. Okay, you also warn in your book about not overprotecting your child. A lot of mm. the a lot of modern day mums have a tendency to overprotect more so than I'd say even their own parents did. I think it is something that's changed a lot in Ireland, um, and it's. I think in a lot of ways our parenting has got healthier, but I think in earlier generations that thing of go out and play and let your child enjoy the outside was sort of normal and natural obviously we need to be tuned in to know when there is a real genuine danger but we have tended to get in 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 irish culture into being i perceive overprotective now what fascinates me is as you know the book is set in denmark and I have had the opportunity to visit Denmark uh, and observe parenting and early education over there mm, since the early 2000s. And what intrigues me is the very different approach. And they do not bubble wrap their children in the typical Danish home, as I explore a bit in the book. But I had to laugh just recently because I follow an, a group in an early education centre that is in Denmark. And uh, they had a, a photograph up recently with the children, almost like a mini zip line, mm. out in the forest with these kids doing it. And now the, the notice is in Danish, so it's translated into English. But the note went about, today we've been on the zip line. Now it's only like six foot high. It's not very big, okay. But but the note from the teacher on the bottom of this is, Today we've been on the zip line. 
So today, your children may come home extra dirty and with some blue marks. <laughs> and I had to laugh. Could you imagine an Irish nursery school sending home that notice? No, they're, yeah, and, and, and they they probably wouldn't the be. They probably wouldn't be allowed out in the playground for fear that they fell over and somebody might sue. It's not even just the playground. The children in Ireland in the nursery schools are go on almost daily outings, whether it's the local park or the forest. They get on the train and they go out to the forest. It's just amazing. Um, and, and in the homes as well, there's... And, even in the early education centre, this time of the year you go in, there are actually little candles, tea lights burning on the tables when they have their snack. Oh, my uh, Now, obviously, every parent has to, for themselves, assess a safety risk. No one else can do that for you. But it's fascinating to see how a Danish culture is saying, well, our children need to learn how, how we do things in life. Yeah, and how you don't so, touch the so candle because yeah, because the candle will burn you. Okay, somebody, uh, 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 somebody, mm-hmm. somebody suggesting that when the new baby arrives, always let the baby bring a present to the toddler when coming home from the hospital. For example, would Val agree? Good idea. I did that with mine. Gosh, more than forty years ago now, but I did that. Um, and it's you know, yeah, the, the, it the, certainly the, works. The, and then someone else yeah. says, when you're bringing a present into a household with a new baby don't forget the toddler which I never do I'll always bring a little gift so that it's not mm-hmm. just the baby's getting the present alright fascinating read Val where's the book available? It's available on almost all online retailers so Amazon Kobo iBooks um, if you look online you should find it uh, uh, Baby and Toddler on Board and Val Mullally remember Mullally's M-U-L-L-A-L-L-Y Okay, baby and toddler on board. Great read, Val. Good luck with it and thanks a million for joining us on the programme. Good morning to you. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Back in October of this year, Clonakilty became the country's first official autism-friendly town with the hope that it will act as a blueprint for other areas. To discuss some special events with the festive season in mind, I'm joined by the lady who pioneered autism-friendly shopping in Clonakilty some three years ago, and that's uh, Patricia O'Leary. Good morning to you, Patricia. Good morning. And uh, Great to talk to you. I know it's early days yet, but what reaction are you getting to the autism-friendly town? So positive, really positive. Um, people are enjoying the atmosphere. Um, every Monday now from 3 to 5, um, the shops who are accredited as being autism-friendly are autism-friendly between 3 o'clock and 5 o'clock. And people are using that service. They're finding that time convenient. And what does that mean, that the shop becomes autism-friendly? What happens is... All, first of all, all the staff in these shops have been trained. Okay. So they are trained in autism and what it is like for a person with autism when they come into their shop. They're dimming the lights and they're reducing noise. So if there's a radio or music on in the background, they turn that off. And there, there's a relaxation box in every shop. So these are re- what we would describe as relaxation toys. There's a squeezy ball. If lights are t- still too bright, they can run dark glasses and things like that. They're, you know, the staff understand it's going to take people that little bit longer. Um, children mightn't like being in the shop. They, you know, they can find it 
just overwhelming. Um, adults on the spectrum may find it hard to pick out a size and clothes that the staff are more than willing to help them with that. That's fantastic. And it's all very relaxed. How, how many businesses and organisations are involved in Clan? 200. What's huge number, huge number of people. Number. Go, take me back three years ago and how it, it all started with Scally's Super Value. It did. I was studying autism at the time in UCC and I came up with the theory that if we reduce the sensory overload for people on the autism spectrum, it would make life easier on them. So what that means is we have seven senses. So when we walk into a supermarket, and I'm picking Scully's supermarket, they're overwhelmed with the bright lights, the noise, the paging system coming on and off, tills beeping, you know, all those things really, really assault senses. That we that we just take for granted. We don't, don't even notice, notice them. them. Yeah, yeah. But for people who are on the spectrum and their senses are heightened, that's a total assault on their senses every time they go in. It causes them physical pain. So when we actually reduce all that, we take out the noise of uh, music, we take out the noise of paging systems, we dim the lights, and we make staff autism aware the needs of children and adults on the spectrum. It immediately makes life so much easier on them. They can shop in peace, you know. And the so, one thing, the one thing you're also really doing, Patricia, is you're helping not just the person with autism but their entire family to avoid social isolation. Exactly, because it is socially isolating for families who can't do, like we take it for granted every week we go into the supermarket. And, you know, we can bring our children, we can bring our parents, we can bring the grandparents, it doesn't matter. We can we can go in as a family unit and do our shopping. And yes, it's very mundane for most of us, but for some families, that would be a little gift to be able to go into the supermarket with their children and do a weekly shop, especially this time of year, it's Christmas. Yeah. You know, and let children see everyday living. Because we have to remember, if children at a young age aren't used to going in and doing shopping, okay, we can put as much as we want into their education. But when they finish school, they're not going to be able to go to college because they're not going to be able to go into a shop and buy what they need to eat for a week. Life skills, yeah. The so life skills life that you, skills that you pick up as, you, as you're growing up without ever being taught. It's just Exactly. From, yeah. We're thinking just of shopping, but it is actually life skills. Like all the banks in Clannacilty came on board. So we'll say the banks in Clannacilty, everyone has to do banking. Mm-mm. Everybody has to go to the bank. And we have to learn to manage money. But if you can't actually access a bank because of the noise and the complications, you're not going to be able to do life skills. You're not going to be able to go to college. Okay, tell me me what's been organised for tomorrow. Okay, for tomorrow, and thanks to Michelle Mitten, we have an autism-friendly Christmas Express. So what that is going to be is... The train out of the Model Railway Village is going to be turned into the Christmas Express train. And at half past one, it's specifically for children with sensory needs. 
So we're calling it autism friendly. What we're going to do is reduce the sound of the Christmas songs. Okay. We're going to dim the lights and there'll be no bell ringing. Anyone who's familiar with this train knows Well, the no, it's tooting around, exactly. yeah. And I know for the special Christmas Express, they, they've got people singing and so there'll be a lot of noise, more noise than normal on the bus, on the exactly. train. Yeah. Okay. So we're going to reduce all that well noise. Done. And it's going to be an enjoyable experience. Now, the train is filling up fast. So, you know, so we're it's, it's the half one people, departure. It's of a the half one departure. Tomorrow. And if I may give out a telephone number, please do. Yeah. That, yeah. It's 087-607-5006. OK, and that's for that one thirty departure of the Clannock Kilty uh, Christmas Express bus, uh, which obviously is running uh, all day tomorrow. And then there's a special visit to Santa. There is. And um, thanks to Caroline in Antinelli's, we're having an autism-friendly Santa between three o'clock and five o'clock. So again, we're doing it on bookings, and um, because sorry about the phone here in the background. Okay. And um, we're doing it on bookings because again, we want to be able to give every child a quiet time with Santa. So, and um, what we're going to do is again. I'm going to give a telephone number and it's an 023 number and it's 8834734. And you book you book your time slot, it's going to be between three and five. Tomorrow because again Santa Claus could be a bit overwhelming. It can be very Uh, overwhelming. It's usually very busy, very noisy. There's queuing. By asking people to book in advance for Santa, there will not be queuing. So, you know, we ask people to come at their lot of time and we're going to try and avoid any child having to queue. So that's going to make it easier. And also, thanks to Sensational Kids, I have sensory toys for any child that may need them while they're waiting or talking to Santa to help distract them. And And Laurie, Laurie, the service dog, is going to be there. She is. Laurie from (laughs) My Canine Companion, who lives with me is going to be there dressed as the elf. Okay. And I will be dressed as the elf. <laughs> so it's, a, it's actually an elf team weekend um, because there's an elf parade on Sunday and there's carol singing. There's the elf express then is also what they're calling the train. So there's lots to do with elves. So Laurie has her um, elf costume ready. I have my elf costume ready. And we're going to be there to help anybody who may need help. Well done. Well done. So it's a busy weekend uh, in Clam, but it's good that you're, you're remembering uh, those with autism. Listen, continue. Good luck, uh, Patricia. You're doing Thank fantastic you. work. And well done to everybody involved in, in Clan who's been involved in this. And, and enjoy tomorrow and a happy Christmas to you. Same to you. Thanks. God bless. Bye bye. Uh, Patricia O'Leary, who really is the brainchild and uh, the founder of the autism. She was the one that kicked that all off um, and uh, was instrumental in getting Clonakilty named as the first official autism friendly town. So good luck to everybody uh, tomorrow and I hope that uh, all of the children with autism and their families have a, a truly special, special day. OK, Bernie continues to take your calls. 1850 Text or WhatsApp 86 We'll talk movies with Mark in the next hour but we also uh, are going to be getting details of the local collections for Cork Penny Dinners all coming up in the next hour. The Roast Potatoes 
for the Christmas dinner are could be a little bit more expensive this year. The price of the humble spud has shot up. Why? It's due to the summer drought. And this is all coming from official figures from the Central Statistics Office. Roosters, Maris Pipers and Queens are 14.2% dearer this year than they were this time last year. According to the Central Statistics Office, the dry summer has led to a huge fall off in the yields of potatoes from Irish farms. And what's happening now is retailers have been forced to import uh, what is a traditional staple of the domestic uh, diet. And it certainly is a must on uh, Christmas Day. Last year, we imported 72,000 tonnes of potatoes. You'd think that we grew enough, wouldn't you? But then we eat a lot of them, I suppose. But the expectations are that that figure is certainly going to be higher this year because of the shortage in the lead up to uh, Christmas. So be warned, your potatoes are going to be uh, more expensive this year. And this one says, Patricia, could you give a mention on air that there's a black Labrador puppy running around the Sam's Cross area. Now, the puppy is wearing a blue collar. So if you're missing what's been described as a hungry, active puppy, Black Labrador, can you call 087-753-4354? That's the person that has uh, spotted it. I don't know if they've managed to grab the puppy or not, or whether it's running loose around the Sam's Cross area. But let's put the call out. A Black Labrador puppy. Anybody missing one? 87 753 And just let me quickly go down to your texts. Hi Trish, regarding um, someone being insulting about Minister Shane Ross, somebody who doesn't like Minister Shane Ross. I work as an agriculture contractor. I drive four to five different vehicles every single day as part of my job. How can I have my licence with me with time pressure? It is the last thing sometimes that I think of. The sooner we get rid of them, the better, says uh, Donal. And on that ad that is in the examiner today that we got a call in earlier from Anne in Toker who felt the ad was outrageous. This is the ad that's advertising the examiner and the hundred years of the women, women getting the first vote and there's the picture of the ballot box, you know, saying that that's what women looked for and this is what women don't want and there's a pair of uh, ladies' underwear on it and Anne thought it was outrageous. She, she was really, really almost offended by it. Uh, listener says, oh my God, we are super sensitive about an ad in the paper. Did that woman get as upset with the female politician who mocked the anti-abortion people? We get very touchy about petty little things, says a texter and no name on that text. OK, going to clear the text message service now because we have books to give away today. How many books do we have in total? We have one, two, three... Should have counted these before I came on. Four, five, six, seven. Okay, so we'll go for seven uh, winners. I need you to text the word book along with your name and address. And then I'm not going to say which book you have won. You're going to have to wait for the postman to come and it'll be a happy little surprise for you. So you'll either get a book that you might like to read yourself or it might be a book that you can pass on and give to a loved one or it might be a children's book that you can give to a son or daughter or to a grandchild or a niece or a nephew, whatever. So if you would like to 
win one of our books today. Text the word book along with your name and address to 0862103103 and we will accept texts till about half past 12 today, so for 15 minutes. And then Bernie can randomly select, we'll let Bernie select who's going to win what books. I will tell you though what books we have on offer today. We have one of the Get Up and Go diaries, but this isn't a diary, this is one of the Get Up and Goes. It's a genius journal and it's a wonderful, wonderful, just feels so good in your hand. And it's a a journal for a young person I I would imagine uh, I would be giving this to. And if they want to write their thoughts down uh, into this journal, then of course, besides being a journal, it coming from the Get Up and Go diary family. It's full of uh, wonderful messages and gems as well. We've got Blazing a Trail. It says Irish Women Who Changed the World. This is a lovely book from O'Brien Press, beautifully illustrated as well. It's a book for children. Really lovely, lovely book. A New Ireland, A New Union or A New Society. It's Paul Gosling writing about a 10-year plan. We've got a satire written by a gentleman called Nick Richards. It's not our Nick Richards I checked. It's called Over the Top. It's described as a windy and and chatty book. We've got Brendan Dennehy's Fed and Funded and Ferried. This is a father's guide to happy children. We actually interviewed uh, Brendan. This is a really great book for dads. And then we have Kilmurray, the old village schools from 1849 to 1955. So that's a local historical book. And then we've got Irish Women from History. Bold, Brilliant and Bad. That's a lovely, lovely read as well. So, okay, seven books in total. Text the word book along with your name and address to 0862 103 103. And then, as I say, we will announce our winners. We're just not telling you what book you've won. You're going to have to wait for the postman to see that you get a happy little surprise in the post. And we hope whatever book you receive that you'll enjoy it. And if you, if you find that the book isn't suitable for you, then pass it on to a loved one. You can give it to somebody as a Christmas gift. Once again, encouraging people, give the gift of books this at Christmas. Some of your texts or some of your calls, sorry, these were some of your calls that came in to Bernie earlier to 1850-333-103. Martin in Mitchestown was on. He got five of those spam calls this week onto his landline and he did as we suggested earlier this week when we were telling people get on to your telephone provider to complain and see if they can block the call for you. He got onto Vodafone and he said they were of no help. I did, yeah. I know when I did some research on this, was it last week? It it depends. Some of the telephone providers have a facility to block call, calls, but not all do. And maybe that's the that's the reason that you came. Uh, nothing, they, they weren't able to help you. Maybe they just don't have that facility. It's just really, really annoying to be getting so many of those uh, scam calls. And Martin, if it's any consolation to you, we've been hearing that a lot from people that once they start to get one scam call, they just keep getting more and more. I don't, I don't know what that is. I would have thought once they rang you once when they didn't get anything from you that it would, they'd let you go. But the people seem to be getting constant repetition of these scam uh, calls. And if it's somebody living on their own, we've had some people contact us and they, they just get frightened by them uh, as well. Frank in West Cork has the old pink driving licence, the old paper driving licence that they're phasing out. You can't leave that in the car in case the car is stolen. Uh, you can't bring it in your wallet because it gets faded. The new plastic 
driving licence is much easier to carry because it's credit card uh, style but until you get that you're stuck with the old style licences which are there's only a couple of years I reckon left on that we were uh, checking earlier here with somebody in the office during the week and there was two years left on it there isn't very many years I don't know when the credit card style driving licence came in it's it's certainly over five years, is it, at this stage? Maybe it's not. Maybe there's a good few years left on the old pink paper uh, driving licence. Back to memories from school. Joan and from Moy says, when she was in first class, she can clearly remember a nun who used to bring in a big, shiny, red, rosy apple and give it to one girl, the same girl, uh, nearly every day. The girl wait for this, happened to have an uncle who was a priest. And the uncle was the priest who used to come to the convent chapel and say mass every morning. So this little girl, wasn't she lucky to have an uncle, a priest? She was being well looked after by one particular nun. Looking back, everyone says Joan, who had a priest or a nun in the family, were always a cut above the rest. Yeah, and I think that went as well for business owners are wealthy families, are the bank managers, son or daughter, uh, they were always looked after, which was you know, was a class thing, wasn't it? There was a huge class distinction in all of our schools, sadly, and hopefully that's long since gone. And when I was talking about some of the beatings that people got in schools and thank God corporal punishment is gone and that book that I'm reading that I'm finding quite distressing at the moment, a book out of Cork City, uh, Teresa, who's listening to us in the city, says she has arthritis in her hands and she believes that the arthritis in her hands were from being beaten and belted with a ruler or a slapper is what she described it at school. She was also dyslexic like the gentleman whose story I'm reading at the moment. Uh, so she said they just thought she was slow and stupid and because of that constant beatings. Can you imagine anyone who has a child who is has been diagnosed with dyslexia will know how difficult school can be for that child today. Can you imagine back in the book I'm reading now is the 60s but it went down in the 50s, the 60s, the 70s. I don't, I'm hoping it wasn't around in the in the 80s but that the child was being beaten and caned and belted because they had dyslexia and they weren't able to learn. It's just... Oh, it sends shivers down my spine. It really does. 1850 uh, Bernie taking your calls. Uh, don't text for now because texting at the moment we have people texting books and we're getting many and we are, we're getting loads. Keep them coming. Text the word book along with your name and address. You have a couple of minutes left to do that and then we're going to randomly select seven listeners who will uh, early next week because they, I know the postman working flat out at the moment but early next week you will be receiving a nice surprise of a book in the post. That's by text please to 0862 103 103 The C103 Cork Diary With Cork County Council Supporting businesses, supporting communities Serving Cork. Visit corkcoco.ie now, Charleville Library are holding an exhibition. Uh, it kicks off from 8 o'clock tonight called General Election. What we were talking about earlier, the General Election of 1918 on this day, 100 years ago. Uh, tonight we'll have a great night of history, including stories, maps of battlefields, Easter 1916 rising display, and people can bring their own artefacts from this time and share their stories also. Millfield Sports and Social Club are holding a table quiz tonight in Collins Bar in Millfield. 
Waterford from nine o'clock. Uh, funds raised going to the Fight for Finn uh, campaign. Fight for Fionn campaign, my apologies. Transitioning students of Clonakilty Community College are hosting an exhibition in the Michael Collins House on the history of the Clonakilty street names. The official opening is at half past seven tonight by Minister Jim Daly. Please come to support the students and light refreshments will be served. A concert will be held in St Peter's Church in Bandon tonight at eight. The Glasgow Choir, the Bandon concert band and others will perform it's a free concert but they will accept donations for St Vincent de Paul and St Peter's Church Fund and for Moy Community Youth Centre are presenting their Christmas panto Rapunzel it's in the Palace Theatre in Formoy and it is on from tonight until Saturday the 22nd on selected dates contact the box office for more details Bandon Rotary Club they've organised a tree of remembrance in the Riverview Shopping Centre in Bandon that's from tomorrow and it will be there until Christmas Eve it will be staffed by volunteers from 10am to 6pm daily with proceeds going to local community groups and also tomorrow Canturk Cycling Club are hosting a spinathon in a variety of venues throughout Canturk from 10am to 5pm monies raised going to the new cycling track. On scam phone calls, the listener said, I am continuously getting calls from the Ascension Islands. Where are the Ascension Islands, says you? It starts with plus 247. I keep blocking them, but they keep ringing back with another number. They're just changing one of the digits. You see, they're computer generated. It isn't somebody actually dialing the number. I never answer, but it is beginning to become quite annoying, says uh, a texter I know. And a West Cork listener says this is advice to people who have the old style driving licence the paper one and there's still a few years left on it and they can't wait to get the new credit card style one a West Cork listener suggests anyone with a long time left on their paper licence could just mislay it and then apply for a new one and if you apply for a new one you will get the new type credit card driver's licence says a West Cork listener 1850 you've just got about two minutes left on our book giveaway and then Bernie will be selecting our seven winners today you text book we'll launch your name and address to 0862103103 now John Ryan and Emer Buckley are once again organising their annual collections in North Cork for penny dinners and this year they're also accepting shoeboxes to tell us what they're looking for this year John Ryan joins me good afternoon to you John good afternoon Patricia uh, you, are, you are welcome how many years are you involved now in collecting for penny dinners with the Emer? We were making it up there earlier on. I think we were about six or seven. And how did it all start? And why did well, it all it start? Well, just, we, just, uh, we just see it somewhere and we thought we'd do something good, you know. We don't else to do. I was retired, so... So what do you do? You put a box into what the... We have, we have, what we have, Patricia, now, we have a box in the Amber Shops in Ballyhooley and Fumai. We got the Amber Shop in Fumai this year okay. as well, thanks to Dave Ryan. And we have Spare in Castellan Road. And we wrote a spare in Mitchestown and we have reared in Super Value and Formaya, which all have been very good to us. And we will give a special thanks to the Donrell senior members for their generous once again this year. The Donrell Golf Club? Yeah, the, the seniors. The seniors. Yeah. Okay, and, and when you approach the shops, there's never any problem with them? Ah, God, no, no, no. No. no, no. Only once ever we had it that they did their own charity, which is... Which is OK, yeah. But all the other shops say no, oh, no the problem. All the other shops say no. Should have liked it for a great cause, Patricia. 
And what do you ask people to donate? Whatever they can. Food, 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 un- non-perishable food, you know, which is, that's all we can, anything. We're looking down the, you mentioned the boxes there a while ago. The shoe boxes. Yes, we're looking in the children's shoe boxes. We're looking for scarves, hats, gloves, ties, bobbles, hairbrush, underwear, books, treat, baby wipes. So, and they must put the age on the box. And you fill up the Christmas shoebox a little bit like what we do when we're sending them abroad to the charities yeah, where yeah, they go yeah, out to, exactly. to children abroad. Yeah. And as much as you can get into the shoebox... As much as you can get in anyway. You can always get another box. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know. And I, are, are you always blown away by people's, chari- by people's I, generosity? Last year we couldn't get over it, Patricia. Yeah. It was unreal last year. Hopefully now this year is good, looking good and very good again so hopefully it's for a good cause I was only just thinking of it there earlier on Katrina get up every Monday morning and she said to herself I've over 2,000 dinners to cook this week that's a lot of work mm. and I mentioned to her when earlier when I, I said you were coming on she'll be getting up on and her and the volunteers will be getting up on Christmas Day that's mm. right yeah all the volunteers like they, 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 they're brilliant as well up there you know so which is you know I think it's very, very good. It's a great cause. For a great, I know you've been up there yourself. You probably have seen it. It's us, fantastic, yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. Fantastic. And I it's was up there now and I see the meals she put out there, you know, are unreal. Even see the dessert last night in the news. <laughs> 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 you, you wouldn't get the likes in a five-star hotel. No, no, no. It's, no, it's no, terrific. It's, it's, it's terrific. And they love to see you coming, I imagine, when you're... What, you well, bring up in a van or what do you do? She's, we go up in the van. We've... Uh, Emer is a big estate. So we take it up. Now, Emer goes up about once every week. Does she? Through the area. We have stuff nearly every week. We get a lot of stuff. And we get a lot of clothes. And I'd like to thank somebody for it. Noreen Clancy in for Yeah. She's been very, very good to us this year with clothes. And even though Cork Penny Dinners is based in the city, yeah. you would be surprised at the number of people from North Cork and West Cork and East Cork, people from the county who avail of the services of Oh, oh sure, it is unreal. Penny it is unreal, yeah. You know, you'd be, you'd be half embarrassed going there in case you'd see someone you know. I know, I know. You know, okay. that, that sort of way, you know. What's the last day for donation? Next, next Friday, hopefully. This day week. So tell them I'll get out, Patricia, and fill up the boxes for yeah. for next Friday. And any non-perishable food items? Because any non-perishable food items at all, sorry. Because they'll either use it themselves in penny dinners or they'll make it up in hampers exactly. to, get, to give exactly. to people. Exactly, they give everything out, yes. Okay. So all right. Well, keep doing what you're doing. You're doing great work. Patricia, thank you very much and a happy Christmas to you. And, and many family. happy returns. Thanks for that, uh, John. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. John uh, Ryan, along with uh, Emer Buckley, once again. I was wondering as well how many years, because I've been, I've been chatting to John or Emer uh, most years. I was just wondering, six or seven years, uh, they reckon that they're at it. So well done. And well done to the shops, because without the collection points, they wouldn't be able to do the type of collection that they're doing. So Amber Shops, Ballyhooley and Formoy. Downey's Spa in Castletown Roach, Roach's Spa in Mitchellstown and Weirden's Super Value in uh, Formoy. They are the collection points for penny dinners for John and uh, Emer for this year. If you want to donate any food items and then the shoebox appeal, which I think Katrina started a couple of years ago. I think this is a lovely idea. They give out, um, they, they, they fill up the 
the shoe boxes with items and then it's like a present and they hand it out to people who come in for, for the dinners on Christmas Day and uh, even before Christmas Day so it's it's a lovely lovely idea and they're looking for you can make up a box a women's box a men's box a children's box whatever you want put it all in and get it into either get it into any of the collection points we mentioned there or you can get it into uh, Penny Dinners Long May Katrina and the rest of the gang continue the fantastic work that they uh, do 1850-333-103 lines open Okay, somebody by text saying uh, Hi where in Fomoy do we hand the shoe boxes in I just missed what you said Happy Christmas to all Okay Fomoy for Penny Dinners uh, the Amber Shop in Fomoy are reared in super value in, in Fomoy so there's two places in Fomoy Amber Shop in Fomoy are Reardon's super value in uh, Fomoy. And Dennis in Fremont says, Patricia, I'm happy to report that the council have done a great job at the Bog Cross in Dramina recently. We highlighted this actually on the programme. It was very, very dangerous as I reported last Monday week when two cars were on a ditch at the crossroads. Well, many new signs are now in place and that's what people were looking for. Actually, I think it was Dennis was the first to to get on to us last Monday week when he saw that this accident had happened and we got a flurry of calls from other people with everybody saying that's okay if you know the junction, if you know the crossroads, but when you don't, you don't realise that you're coming out onto a very busy road. Anyway, uh, Dennis said many new signs are now in place and a great job has been done. So fair play to all involved and well done to the council for making this very hazardous crossroads a much safer place. Happy Christmas to you all and many happy returns and that's from uh, Dennis in Fremont and thank you Dennis for updating us on uh, that. And when we're talking about teachers and how teachers can get it wrong and how they can knock the confidence out of children and how that's the way it happened many, many years ago and I was saying thank God those days are gone and how times have uh, changed. WhatsApper says, Patricia, hurtful teachers are still large as life, unfortunately. My daughter was so upset yesterday she didn't attend her Christmas carol singing last night in the church. Why? A teacher made her cry as she wasn't opening her mouth wide enough in front of the whole school at the practice yesterday morning. I was just heartbroken for her. Have a wonderful Christmas. Oh, goodness me, isn't that just... And I, do, I wonder, did the teacher realise what she was what she was doing? Um, but for your little one coming home, and for 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 a mum uh, to see a little one that upset, and a dad to see a little one that upset that she didn't want to go along to the carol singing service, and that's a wonderful night out in the church. And you know, children are usually very excited about the carol service, but this little one came home so upset because the teacher, and I could just imagine the teacher. Because I remember that when I was in the choir in school, you all had to open your mouth beautifully and wide when you're singing. But, you know, not everyone is that confident uh, to do it. That's, that's really sad. Really, really sad. OK, we are going to get you the winners of our books while we are awaiting Mark Malone to come into studio. I can uh, give you the winners of our books. And as I say, not telling you the names of the books, you're going to have to wait until the postman arrives. OK, our first winner is... 
Trish Jones in Greenhill in Mornabby. Congratulations, uh, Trish. Sheila Crowley is in Orchard Lane in Aherla. Congratulations, uh, Sheila. Fiona O'Connor is in Upper Belmont in Crookstown. Congrats, uh, Fiona. And we congratulate Brida O'Leary, West End in Mill Street. Marion Lenahan is in the Palms in Drumdowney. Congratulate, sorry, Mary Lenahan is in the Palms in Drumdowney. Congratulations, Mary. Anne Heffernan is in Aragon. Congratulations, Anne. And our final winner is Chloe O'Shea of Sackville Street in Dunmanway. Congratulations, all of our winners. We will pop those books in the post to you. Mark Malone, our movie reviewer, joins me in studio. Good afternoon to you, Mark. Hi, Patricia. And you are very welcome. OK, you went to the movies to see a movie called White Boy Rick. I did. And then on DVD, it's Escape 2. Now, White Boy Rick... Is based on a true story. An, an, an extraordinary, extraordinary true story uh, set in Detroit back in uh, the 80s at a time when uh, crack, crack addiction, there was huge major problems in the area uh, with that. Whilst okay. at the same time you had Nancy Reagan and her war on drugs, her just say no, which was kind of, uh, kind of ironic. Uh, this little boy, he was only 14 and um, he became an informant for the FBI. I mean, he, he grew up in this kind of very, very much kind of working class kind of environment, not a very nice environment. His father used to deal uh, in, um, in armory, he used to buy um, uh, and sell. Uh, rifles, which you can do, but then what he would do is he would put silencers on them and then sell them to the local um, crack and drug dealers uh, in the area, with whom the young boy had a relationship with as well. Uh, that, of course, uh, then brought to the attention of the FBI, and they noticed that the young boy had a relationship with some of these uh, drug dealers, and they went to him at the age of 14, and they said, look, we have all this on your father. We know what he's doing, and he's going to go to jail for a very, very long time. What we want you to do, though, is work for us. And once you working for us, we will get you to buy and sell drugs. And whilst you're doing that, we will then be able to make arrests. So at the one, on one hand, of course, he's doing something extraordinarily illegal. At 14? At 14 years of age. And well, at the same time also earning huge amounts of money. So therefore, he then, with his father, have this extraordinary kind of... Dilemma? Uh, uh, well, not so much a dilemma, but, but this, this standard of living, which is at a time which, you know, was just extraordinary in that kind of area, that kind of east side area of Detroit, which was almost like a kind of a war zone. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then they're thinking that because, of course, they're working for the FBI, then therefore, then they can. So the dad's involved as well. He's, yeah, the dad he's told the dad uh, very much so. Yeah, yeah. and he okay. then the, the father then afterwards then becomes kind of part of that whole kind of lifestyle okay. and begins to kind of enjoy the lifestyle. From then on, things take a little different turn, which I won't go into. But okay. it's actually really well, quite sad if you actually know the, the true story, and it's well worth actually going to find out about the actual true story because it really is that extraordinary. It really is. Uh, so Matthew McConaughey plays uh, the father of um, Rick. Worse Jr., who played here by uh, Richie Merritt, and the way in which they recreate the whole 80s kind of look and feel of um, of uh, Detroit in America is really, really quite extraordinary. The the, the whole performance is by everybody. You've got Jason J- Jennifer Jason Lee in it, Bruce Dern, Piper Laurie. Uh, Bruce Dern and P- Piper Laurie play the, the, the grandparents, and they live across the road from Matthew McConaughey and Richie Merritt. Um, their sister is a drug addict, and she wants to leave the house with her drug addict friend. They're telling her that he's not worth it. And there's an extraordinary scene where they have this huge kind of shouting match once waving kind of oozy machine guns in the air 
in the middle of the street and it's almost like nobody bats an eyelid and in fact it, uh, you know Bruce Stern at one stage is more worried about the fact that um, his granddaughter is using the F word rather than these huge rifles wow. being uh, you know and that's the kind of lifestyle that, Detroit uh, was a tough city it certainly was yeah. and of course at the time of course uh, the, the you know it was the motor city and of course the car industry at that time had just kind of been decimated and it was not the greatest place in the world to live and the way in which they recreated that here is very very good if anything the main performance by Richie Merritt who plays Rick Worst Jr. is you know he's, he's got this very uninvolving performance and maybe we wanted more so therefore he's not the character that we actually start to kind of um, identify and enjoy watching and that's from Matthew McConaughey the McConaughey continues and his performance is extraordinary and really you want more of him and that's a kind of a shame and he is kind he's of underutilized he's a fabulous actor yeah. and he is by far the best thing in it and this is actually one of the best films I've seen all year um, it hasn't really been that well received by uh, the critics but I enjoyed it I loved the pacing of it I, way, I loved the way it looked and um, it's really quite extraordinary because considering what they do you do like these people you, you do care about these people you did know you I mean? know the story before you watched it or I did didn't you? but when no. then afterwards of course uh, you know I did some research about it and it is there on screen that yeah. was the reality okay. of this boy and, and what he did um, unfortunately what then became of him was really really quite sad but uh, we, won't, people, we, won't, we yeah, won't give the ending away so it's called better. White Boy Rick and it's in the move it's in the cinemas at the moment Mark it out of 10 uh, give it 9 9 out of 10 yeah. ok well well worth a watch now your DVD is a Escape Plan 2. Yes. Uh, this won't be getting a nine by okay. any shape or form. I presume you haven't seen the first film, no. Escape Plan. No, I, no, that, it, I know even looking at it, this would not appeal to me. And I think you're a very lucky person that you okay. haven't seen the first one because I had to see it and I had to review it. I actually reviewed it here with you. Did you? Which goes to show you how much of an impact it had with you. Yeah. If you ask me about the first film, I know that Sylvester Stallone was in it. I know. And did you go to the cinema to see it? Or did you yeah, just did, did you yeah. review it as a DVD? Or you went yeah. to the cinema to see it? Okay, I think I right. did. Oh, well, actually, yeah. that's a good question. Yeah. I can't remember now. Did I see? This is yeah. just goes to show you how much I remember. It had such film. an impact. Yeah, it had yeah. Sylvester Stallone. It had um, it had uh, Schwarzenegger, and of course, it was a big deal about the two eighties kind of big heroes getting back together in a film again. Yeah. And it had a kind of a, a nice kind of appeal in the sense that it was nice to see them on, on screen again. And there was a lot, you know, there was a bit of comedy there. Uh, basically, the, the story was uh, the, Sylvester Stallone is what's called a structural escape specialist. So basically, what he does is he he goes he into jail and then he escapes to show the false. Oh, of the security of the system. Oh, that's yeah. Clever. So yeah. he's a jailbreaker is yeah. basically uh, what he is. And he has a team with him that does that. Uh, now the things about the first film is that it wasn't very good but it had a kind of a cheesy kind of appeal to it and it did okay and it did especially well in kind of uh, Asian countries and it did well in China. So therefore obviously you know it made enough money for them to go okay let's make let's this for the again. Chinese market. Uh, so therefore they've introduced uh, this actor called Zhao Ming Huang who's kind of a, a kung fu expert and over the years since Bruce Lee of course you know every now and then they've always you know there's been so many of them that they've tried to kind of recreate the whole kind of Bruce Lee thing and I suppose Jackie Chan is the only one that's actually yeah, done it yeah. and I don't think this man is going to do it either because he is the star of this film because Sylvester Stallone's only in the film for 15 minutes Whoa. which just goes to show that this is just all about money and it's a video on demand film which is where I, I got my hands on it so basically one of his team in China is um 
is kidnapped. He is sent to this jail called Hades. And of course, Sylvester Sloan's got to, first of all, break in there to try and break, break him out. back out again. Okay. And does so with a team, which includes uh, baby uh, Dave Batista, who's an actor I really like very much indeed. And 50, 50 Cent, 50, is uh, also in this movie as well. There's lots of action. There's lots of stuff happening. It's got a 9% rating on Rotten Tomatoes. It's 94 minutes long, but it felt like four days. And in fact, <laughs> I, think it, it, I think it was over four hours I watched it because I had to leave it. I had to leave it every now and then because I just couldn't simply watch it. It is just unbearable to watch. <laughs> and I was so bored by it. I was actually getting depressed watching it because even though there is action, there's stuff happening. It is so boring and makes absolutely no sense whatsoever that I just... Oh, I you just have great patience. Watch. You are waiting for it to end. Um, yeah. yeah. And because... I, I, yeah, I think... I'm just wondering, because I come, I'm coming in here to review it, would I have walked away yeah, from it do, otherwise? Do you, know? you? Actually, that's an interesting one. Do you walk away from... Outside of what you have to yeah. do for here, do you walk away from a movie if it's not good? I've never walked out of a cinema. Okay. Um, because I've always thought, I've paid my money and yeah. I'm going to sit here and Even I'm going to watch it. Even if you're not enjoying it. Even if I find it deeply offensive, yeah. But if you've um, rented a DVD... Would I've you done that with a few DVDs. I think yeah. I have. I think yeah. there's been a couple where I think yes. halfway through I've just gone, look, my life is too short to be watching this nonsense. <laughs> and uh, and it was the same here. It's okay. it's really not very good at all. And I don't know, I mean, maybe kind of 14-year-old boys might kind of find the action kind of interesting, but the rest of us will just think, this is awful. Okay. And it is. And it's called Escape Plan 2. Yeah. Right? And, and DVD are, are streaming. Mark it out of 10? The one. One. <laughs> we won't even ask you what the one was for. Listen, thank you for that. Uh, but by the way, I did see the um, the panto last night. Oh yeah, you were there Cinder as well. Yeah. yeah. And it's just fabulous, everybody. Yeah. Go see it. It's wonderful. Actually, I was talking, I mentioned that Bernie had been at it and uh, we had a couple of listeners because it was all, the night was filled with the, our listeners yeah. and people associated with the radio station, which which was uh, kind of nice. But uh, Bernie was talking about one of the ugly sisters in particular, just did, she just didn't get the name, who had a fabulous voice. Um, and he did the um, he did the Bobby Darren song, um, which I can't remember the name of right now. And he is just absolutely brilliant. Yeah. I was just inside talking to Bernie. There's a scene where she turns from uh, kind of cinders into a princess, yeah. and she has this dress, and the dress turns from an ordinary dress into this extraordinary gown, and we have no idea how it was done. She basically pulls at it, and she, nothing comes off. It's yeah. extraordinary, and I don't and know. And right in front of your eyes. Right in front of your eyes. I don't know who designed that dress, but whoever did, and I must try and find out. You are a genius. Well, we're hoping next week when we're taking the show out to Glow, uh, we're hoping to uh, to to feature the panto again because we're getting such great reaction on it. So I might ask them about uh, the dress because normally when I've seen panto where that happens, yeah. cinders goes off stage. Exactly. And then you know there's a little dance around. There's a bit of trickery comes. of that, but this was yeah. all physical trickery. She just seemed to kind of pull at the dress, and the dress turned into this extraordinary thing oh, I, we were Blew just away. flabbergasted Blew by the away. whole thing okay. and so whoever designed that dress you you really are a genius well done to you so well worth going along to say I, I loved it yeah. is, Panto, you, is Panto part of your childhood well my mum was an actress of course yeah. she was on stage uh, from like four years of age uh, she was with me last night she really loved it as well and yeah I mean we've been every year since we were kids uh, I love it and I love it the fact that the kids had a great time because of course gets kids into the theatre you know? yeah it does it yeah. does well done okay well done thank you for that Okay. And we'll chat again next week. That's Mark Malone, our movie reviewer. What am I supposed to do without you? Is it too late to pick the pieces up? Too soon to let them go Do you feel damaged just like I do? 
Your face, it makes my body ache It won't leave me alone And this feels like drowning Trouble, sleeping, restless, dreaming You're in my head Always, always I just got scared Always, always I'd rather choke on my just carry them to my grave you're in my head always 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 cracks won't fix and the scars won't fade away I should get used to this The left side of my bed's an empty space I remember we were strangers So tell me what's the difference Between then and now And why does this feel like Drowning, trouble music from Gavin James on C103 and that is uh, always in a text in saying hi Patricia listening to the lady who was berating the presentation nuns in uh, Mill Street and your description of them as evil can I stop you there uh, I didn't in any way if it came across that way I didn't mean all the nuns in Mill Street were evil I was talking about teachers of that era and of uh, t- teachers nuns Christian brothers unfortunately some of them 
some of them had such a cruel, nasty, nasty streak streak in them. Anyway, this listener says, I too was a pupil there in the presentation convent in Mill Street in the 50s and 60s. I must defend those teachers. So many were extremely kind, though one or two had a sharp tongue. No, I was not from a wealthy family, nor was there a priest in my family. Many of them gave so generously of their after school time to help those in need. I thank them for a wonderful education. Thanks to them, I was able to get a third level education in my long life. I never met a kinder teacher than the saintly nun who spent a lifetime teaching large classes of junior infants in Mill Street Presentation Convent. I wondered, can you remember her name, what her name was? It's so fashionable now to slate the nuns and to forget their good deeds. Well, I don't, th- I hope it, that you didn't feel that that's what we were doing with slating at the nuns because I never meant it to come across that way. I think because I'm previewing that book at the moment and I've got that book in my head, I, I think that's probably what might have left me off in a little bit of a rant, but I would not in any way tar all of them with the one brush I was taught by Loretto uh, nuns and some of them were the kindest, kindest people uh, that I ever came across. Now, before I go, very quickly, Rower Animal, the Animal Welfare Resource Group in uh, West Cork, they're doing carol singing uh, today outside Little Inbantry. Keep a lookout for them. And uh, Bohabwe Church will resound to a feast of festive music, half seven, vigil mass tomorrow. Sheila Fitzgerald and Mike Sheen are staging a Sing for Africa fundraiser for for the Martin McCormick's project in Swaziland and Father McCormick's home at the moment and he'll be saying Mass. That's where I have to leave it for uh, today. My thanks to Bernie Murphy who produced. I'll be back with you on Monday morning at uh, 10 o'clock. Until then, I'm Patricia Messenger. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com.